Welcome, everybody. This is our rookie tight end preview show ahead of the 2023 NFL Draft. I'm Josh Hudson. No Joe Zolo today. And you know what? Not mad about it. Not going to lie. But we've got Ryan Weiss back from vacation. And the third leg of the Debbie Royale squad, we had Kevin and Christian on last week. And this week, we've got Jeff Bell coming in to help us break down this upcoming rookie tight end class. Let's kick this off. What is up and welcome to No Putt Intended. I am your host tonight, as Josh mentioned, no Joe Zolo. And I love that Josh said that he's not even that upset that Joe's- You know what? For as much shit as Joe gives me, (laughs) I had to throw some of it back to him. (laughs) I I thought it was a fantastic intro just to let people know the animosity that builds behind the scenes of Club Fantasy and No Putt Intended on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Thank you guys for joining us. I am the host tonight, Ryan Weiss, as Josh mentioned, back from vacation. Um, You may have seen me on the Mock Draft Show, Mock It Like It's Hot on Mondays, and you usually see me here every Wednesday. Josh is the co-host tonight. Josh is the co-host every single night. Josh is the founder of Club Fantasy. Josh, how are you doing tonight? I'm great, man. We got, um, you know, we got a good guest. Well, I was going to say. You know, this doesn't really happen often when we talk tight ends. I, I was like, I'm, I'm going back and I'm thinking about this. Like, we were able to get Kendall Valenzuela when we did the off-season tight end preview show. I'm like, okay, good guest. Great. Awesome. Jeff's like, oh, I can't do the wide receivers. But yeah, sign me up for the tight ends. I'm like, wait, somebody wants to talk tight ends? Let's fucking go. (laughs) Jeff, you don't know this story, but the only reason I'm even with this show is because I wanted to talk tight ends. Before I was a member of this show, they used to bring me on over and over again because nobody wanted to talk tight ends. Um, As we've alluded to, our guest is the other third of the Debbie Royale. He wasn't able to be with us last week, but he has the show all to himself this week. Jeff Bell, how are you, my friend? I'm fantastic. And again, thank you so much for having me on. You know, I jumped at the chance. Josh mentioned that we were going to talk about tight ends. Tight ends is my favorite position in an offense. And and tight end can dictate so much the offense. You can play heavy with tight ends. You can play light with tight ends. You can split them out wide and create match, match, mismatches. And I just really thoroughly enjoy the chess piece that is a tight end. And I've always loved that, that position. And I understand in fantasy, people can get a little bit frustrated at the position because there's always going to be that late round dart throw. And you're always going to be wrong on which one it is uh but but again i just it's just a very very fun position and i thoroughly enjoy it so thrilled that that had the opportunity to talk about with with you guys i i I love having you and jeff gave me the privilege of i'm josh you don't even know this i just wrote my first ever dynasty article this week that i submitted for review for uh, football guys on dynasty tight ends you do know it's gonna get rejected right i mean (laughs) that shit just ain't good Hey, Jeff has faith in me, and I don't. I don't need your negativity. <laughs> well, and Ryan. So obviously, you can see the branding. I'm very involved with yeah. football guys now. But but Ryan posted my very first article with football guys, and so I, uh, it's a symbiotic relationship. I said I, I told my wife how the tables had turned. It was Jeff sending me article ideas, and now it's me sending Jeff article ideas. He's the big. He's the big guy in a dynasty over at Football Guys, and I love every second of it. So. And you're too kind on that. I don't know about that, but no, I try my best. <laughs> So if you guys haven't picked up on it, we are going to be talking rookie tight ends today, and we're going to start with Jeff's top five rookie tight ends. And Jeff, I'm going to list these, but you made some interesting comments as we got started, so I'm going to have you just kind of dive into it. So at number one, you have Notre Dame's Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid from Utah at two, Luke Musgrave from Oregon State at three, Darnell Washington from Georgia at four, and Sam Laporta from Iowa at five. You were able to go one and two pretty quickly, and then things kind of got messy for you. We're going to talk a lot more about these players as the show moves on because we're really going to focus on landing spots, but just kind of give the pros and cons and why it got a little bit harder after three. All right, so so one and two, I think, have a little bit of a clear separation, and those are the players most often talked about being first-round picks in this draft with Michael Mayer and with Dalton Kincaid. I really want to have Dalton Kincaid as my tight end one. Now, Dalton Kincaid had a very, very poor 
offseason pre-draft process. He was hurt. He wasn't able to test. And Michael Mayer came in. He had been the consensus tight end one in this class for years in the, in the Debbie landscape. And, and he came in, and he really tested a lot better than what was expected out of him. And so that's that's where I ended up with Mayer above Kincaid. But I do have separation between the two of them stepping into the third because it starts to get more clouded, more difficult once you enter that third because uh, we talked about three guys there with Laporta, with Washington, and with Musgrave. I think you can put Tucker Craft in there. I think you put, can put Zach Kuntz in there. I think you can put um, Luke Shoemaker from Michigan in there as well. And, and you know, there, there's a lot of depth through that tight end area. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if any of those players were the third or maybe even the second player taken out, out of this group. And so that's where it gets a little bit cloudy once you get past those top two. And, and I think that you read enough mock drafts, you see enough out there that you feel pretty comfortable with Kincaid and Mayer as the top of the class. Josh, uh, you that. mentioned when when Jeff gave us his top five that that's kind of like the standard top five. Is that what you're seeing all over the board, Josh? Yeah, and that's how I set up the um, like our our start show sheet. Tomorrow. I noticed that. Yeah, <laughs> like these are the top five guys that we featured. You know, you, you rattled off like Zach Koontz and Shoemaker, like, and I'm thinking to myself, Jeff, save it, man. We're talking sleepers a little bit later. Like, yeah, dude. Damn. Next question. Um, <laughs> Read the show sheet, Jeff. Come on. <laughs> we we know, like, first, though. You know, the, we, we, belittle, we belittle and berate our guests on Club Fantasy. <laughs> you all good. But no, I think I think it's really interesting to me personally when you're looking at this tight end class because, like, like, and I feel like we see this with the wide receiver position, too. It's like, I think JSN is a clear head and shoulders wide receiver one in this class. And everybody is finding ways or trying to find ways to knock him off of that pedestal. Shifting gears to the tight ends, I feel like we're trying to do the same thing with Michael Mayer by putting Kincaid as that one. And Jeff, you kind of alluded to it that Mayer has been sort of the consensus tight end one from a Debbie perspective heading into this class literally for the last three years. So I guess for me, you mentioned you, you, you're trying to find ways to put Kincaid one. Why? The, is it just because you're tired of talking about Mayer? Like, why? No. no, I think it comes down to, I think Michael Mayer is a better football player than he is a fantasy football player, is where mm. a lot of it is. I think he can bring a lot more in the run blocking game, the pass blocking game, those types of elements that to be that more all-around tight end. Whereas Kincaid, I think, profiles so very well on what you really want out of a fantasy tight end, where he's very good after the catch. He's very quick, very elusive, and I think he can emerge as a primary passing option, whereas Kincaid Kate, I think, will be more of that all-around option that might necess not necessarily see the volume and be game-planned into what being a top-two option in an offense. And that's really what I'm looking for in fantasy is I, I really want top-two options in a passing attack. Three is maybe okay sometimes, but if I can get one of those top two guys, and I just think Kincaid's ceiling is higher to the point where I could see him being that top two passing option within an offense, and that's so valuable at the tight end position. Well, doesn't that also kind of play more into landing spot, though? Oh, than certainly. Anything? Yeah, you and know, that, and I that's mean, it's hard to predict on right now. Yeah. But again, you know, it's it's just trying to find traits right now, and that's a lot of what I'm doing in my scouting process. Trying to find traits. How do you project a player into an NFL offense? How does this guy fit? And that's where I see Mayer is that more all around, and, and certainly landing spot could play into that. My, Mayer could land somewhere. Like I've got an interesting landing spot coming up that could find a lot of targets for him in yeah. Green Bay. So if he ends up in Green Bay, that could be a, a top passing option almost immediately because of the lack of other options. Whereas Kincaid could find himself somewhere that he's the fourth option, maybe just off of the way it, it plays out. And so that's part of it. But again, it's it's just trying to find traits and profiles and, and fit players into what we've traditionally seen production come out of. Jeff, how does Trey McBride stack up against this class? So a lot of this class I'm noticing at least the first three guys and sometimes even the first four guys have first round kind of like draft grades. And then Laporta, sometimes second round, sometimes third round. Trey McBride was taken at the very end of the second round and didn't do a whole lot for fantasy managers last year. Obviously, he was buried behind Zach Ertz for most of the season, but even when he got ahead of him, he didn't do a whole lot. So where does... Folks, because like I thought Trey McBride, I was getting him in dynasty drafts in the like third and fourth round last year as an absolute steal because he had such, I, I didn't want to call it late draft capital, but these guys all seem to be going ahead of him. How does, how does he from last year stack up to these guys this year? 
I'd probably put him at third at number three. We talked about that separation between the top two and number three. I think he'd slot right into the number three. I just he was a guy that at Colorado State, he was their primary, he was their entire passing offense. And so that he already answered that question in my mind. I think what last year he ran into a situation, obviously buried by Ertz, and that moved people off of him. Ertz got hurt, and he didn't pick up right away, but he did have a strong conclusion finish to the season, especially the last week. He had a very strong game the last week of the season. We tend to forget about that and dismiss that because week 18, we don't want to count that. But um, that is a player that I, I think it's interesting to bring him up because I do think that there will be major offensive changes in Arizona that will favor McBride and Ertz, if he can get healthy, bolstering the field at the same time. I know, Ryan, you're you very close to the Cleveland Browns organization. Yeah. And obviously, Drew Benson coming over from that organization, we've seen the tight end usage in that offense. Yeah. And so I think and, that's and where... a multi-tight end usage. So exactly. even if there. So. Yeah. And and so they're moving away from being that that Cliff Kingsbury air raid offense to that, I think uh, that he, that Cleveland offense that will feature multiple tight ends and be heavily used at tight ends. I was asking Josh, uh, Josh hosted the mock draft show for me last week. And I noticed in the startup draft, your good friend, Kevin Coleman took Michael Mayer in the seventh round of a startup. And I just thought that was insane. And I asked Josh if he had a chance to question it. And he said that it just slipped right by. He didn't even get a chance to go back to it. <laughs> so. This is why I don't Kevin host and... mock draft shows. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think of the important him. questions. Yeah. <laughs> He's got an aggressive valuation. I think on mayor relatively to relative to everybody else. And, and I'm a little bit more hesitant. I need to update my dynasty rankings, and that's awful for me to say. Um, but I'm a little bit more hesitant on putting Mayer as that premium asset in terms of dynasty. Um, obviously, right now is ADP, where he's landing in rookie drafts, kind of requires that investment. So I ended up with him in one place, and I had a whole lot of picks, and I'm rebuilding that team, and it's a tight end premium. And if it works, it works. But I'm a little bit more hesitant on using that late first or early second on Michael Mayer just relative to the other positions available. Um, last season, we saw the best two rookie tight ends, and I'm using best very loosely here, was uh, Chiga Conquo and K. Dot, and both finished around tight end 20, both selected in the fourth round. Are there guys this year, Jeff, who are going to go in the mid to late rounds who could end up being the sleepers when it comes to rookie tight ends? Oh, absolutely. And and I think that that goes to Josh's point on landing spot. That's really where that question gets answered because, um, yeah, there's so many guys, again, just the guys that we mentioned at the top that aren't in that top five ranking with Koontz. I, Koontz blew up the combine, and I think that's a guy that's positioned that if he lands in a very good spot, I think fantasy Twitter and everything else is primed for him to explode just because of his the way he tested and, and he had a little bit of a moment there. And so if he lands into a hot spot, that could be a guy that could shoot up very, very quickly. And Shoemaker is another guy tested very well. And he was in that Michigan offense. And I, I really like to look at college programs that have traditionally produced tight ends. And, and I was one Notre Dame's one Penn state's one and Michigan's one. And it's kind of those Midwestern teams that those big 10 teams that build their offense around the tight end. And, and those guys get that opportunity in college. And it, we've seen that production carry over into the NFL. Josh, when you go into a dynasty draft, um, when do you start looking at rookie tight ends? Because if you don't have an immediate need you're not going into a rookie draft like I need to come out of this draft with the tight end. It tends to be the guys who fall to you. So when do you start considering it, Josh, when you're in your rookie drafts? A lot of it depends on my team for starters. Um, like if I feel like I'm really weak at running back, um, there's a good chance probably in those first couple rounds, depending on, again, how many picks I have. Um, Cause that definitely varies league to league. Cause you've got some leagues where, you know, you're loading up on picks cause you're looking at a rebuild. You've got others where, you know, you're one of the contending teams. You maybe only have like third or fourth round picks. So, you know, for me, I do like to load up on tight ends in dynasty, especially ones with deeper rosters, simply because it's such a shit position after <laughs> Travis Kelsey ain't nothing else. Like that yeah. really just is what it is. So if I can inevitably play a streaming game with, you know, some of these mid to late round guys like, you know, like a Zach Koontz or Shoemaker or a name that I'm going to throw out there because I want to get your name on this guy a little bit later. Will Mallory from Miami because, you know, go Canes. Um, come on, Ryan. You knew it was going to come up. So, Josh, I just got to interject. <laughs> I was literally like, I wonder if Miami has a good tight end. I was like, I could just put Josh on the spot because I knew you were going to bring up a Miami tight end and I should have done it. I would have looked like the best fucking host ever. Fuck you, Joe. 
Uh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, so I like if I'm not in a position, like I do tend to to not reach for like the top guys. Like if I have, you know, three or four firsts and a couple seconds, and like the seventh of my draft picks is like in the third round, and that top guy, like last year, I did have a couple teams where I would get where I had Trey McBride. Sure, because it's not a high priority for me at that point because I've already spent five or six draft picks. But in a traditional draft, I'm usually not taking one of those top guys because we see this all the time. Rookie tight ends really do not pop. They don't. Like, it is very rare that you get a a Kyle Pitts rookie season that ends up with 1,000 yards because, again, it it just takes them, for whatever reason, it seems to take them longer to adjust to offenses because they're learning not one position, i.e. blocking like an offensive lineman, but also the route tree and the receiving. So again, it just kind of, it's again, on the surface, it seems like that's what the issue tends to be with rookie tight ends. So those guys that ended up going early, like I remember when, you know, uh, TJ Hawkinson a couple years back was a top seven draft pick. Like he had a decent rookie year, but it wasn't anything that made me feel like, all right, this is a top four or five dynasty tight yeah. end. Right. So instead of going out and, and using that first round pick, he could very well get dealt for a second round pick the following year because so many dynasty managers are just impatient. That's that. So I would much rather load up on some of those third, fourth round guys and see if, you know, you get like a Kate Otten, a Daniel Bellinger, a Chica Conquo that, you know, shows some flashes and maybe you flip them for a second round pick. And now you've turned that into more value or you've got a, a Kelsey or an Andrews or, you know, maybe a Pitts or in this case, a Hawkinson. And you're like, you know what? I don't mind having this guy stashed on my bench. God forbid there's an injury, and I feel okay swinging him into my lineup. And you guys can find Jeff's rookie ranks and my rookie ranks at Football Guys, but unfortunately, we are not able to do Superflex yet. It's coming. Jeff, most, I think, Dynasty Leagues are kind of trending towards Superflex these days. To continue with what I asked Josh, where do you see these guys starting with like Mayer and Kincaid? And obviously landing spot's going to play in, but where do you see these guys falling in a, in a 10 team, or I guess just in the the number of picks, like in the 20 to 30 range, where do you see these guys falling right now in fantasy drafts? Right now, I think Mayer's kind of at that first and second turn, usually. Interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the valuation I've seen on him, especially in premium leagues. He kind of tends to go, um, I've seen him like we did a two tight end draft and he went at the one Oh nine in the two tight end league. Um, so that he kind of pushes there. Kincaid seems to be falling a little bit after that to that mid second round range. So the, the 17th to 20th pick or so kind of in that range. Um, and then you can really, a lot of the other guys drop it. Usually you have somebody that gets really excited about Darnell Washington, just the upside and everything that is potentially there early in the third round or maybe late in the second round usually and then musgrave laporta those guys kind of land towards that the back end of that third round into that fourth round and then that's about what you usually see get drafted and so if you're in drafts right now you you know kudos to you i enjoy that as a debbie guy and enjoy those (laughs) early drafts and and taking that risk and i certainly got burned on malik willis at a place or two last year but at the same time it's it's a lot of fun to do it now you can grab one of these guys like a, a Tucker craft or a Zach Koontz undrafted usually. And so I love that value on those guys because that could catapult very, very quickly. If we see those guys go off the board at day two. And, a yeah, and once that, you no Josh, go. I was going to say, once you see the landing spots for a lot of these running backs that are flooding those early rookie drafts and you realize that some of them went undrafted or um, you know, the same thing with the wide receivers, those are going to start falling. So some of those other, you know, the deeper tight ends start creeping into those, yes. you know, late third, fourth round, or even the fifth round. If, if your uh, rookie draft is that deep. Well, and a, an interesting guy, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this player later. So I don't want to get too much into it, but Jeff, you brought up, you know, landing some of these guys undrafted. Jake Ferguson was a guy last year who nobody ended up adding. And he is for the time being the number one tight end in Dallas. And so it's going to be real interesting to see how that shakes out because there are those guys out there that are completely undrafted that could end up a year or two away from having a starting job. Um, One of the interesting facts I found, Josh, you mentioned rookie tight ends rarely pop, which is absolutely true. But another stat I found out while researching my dynasty article was that 
top five tight ends are rarely older than 25 years old unless they've already been a top five tight end. And so if these guys don't pop by 25, they're not going to pop. So that's where in a dynasty loading up on rookies and Josh, you were, you were inching towards this point, but another reason it's really important in dynasty is if you play redraft and you're used to streaming, like I do, that pool is not out there for you to stream. You got to build that pool on your own roster. <laughs> so Correct. Yeah, I mean, there's some dynasty rosters where I've got, I have one league that has literally 40 spots and it's a 12 team league. Like it is stupid deep. Yeah. And I think I have maybe like 10 tight ends on that team. Yeah. Like I shit you not. And I'm like, all right, let's see what we can do. (laughs) Jeff, I would be remiss to move on if I don't let you answer Josh's question about Miami's Will Mallory. I think you said that was his name. Yeah. No. Yes, it is Will Mallory. Good player. I, I think that he'll get decent enough draft capital and it's it really speaks to the depth at tight end and, and a lot's been talked about the depth and how good this tight end class is and and so I do think that that's an interesting factor going into draft night because as much as you want to push the tight ends up and, and you want these guys to be fantasy relevant get first round draft capital if that depth of the class pulls guys back a little bit more because teams saying well we don't see a big difference between tight end one and tight end four right now they're still on our board. We're not going to use this premium draft pick on them. And so I think that that's the two positions I really, really enjoy in the football field are tight end and safety. And those two seem to be the positions that are kind of a little bit devalued in terms of team building on an NFL level. Yeah. And Don't forget then, running backs. Come on now. What's the matter? With well, <laughs> running backs are devalued apparently on every single they level that exists. <laughs> so. No, I think, I think that's a good point. You bring up a Mallory, like, he's not a blocker at all like he's strictly a pass catcher so i think that in and of itself is going to like bring him more into like that fourth probably fifth round range and because of that that to me is still somebody like i would be willing to swing for the fences on like later in a dynasty draft because at the end of the day that's what we want we want tight ends that are gonna catch passes Ain't nobody drafting Evan Ingram because they think he can block like. Yeah. And, and so he scored very well. And and I would be remiss not to mention uh, Kentley Platt's uh, relative athletic score. I think that deserves a mention because tight end, that seems to be the the cheat code to unlock tight ends because um, Daniel Bellinger scored very, very well last year. And he wasn't on anybody's radar coming in at this point of the, of, of the process and he was drafted pretty high by the giants. And so that seems to be, and it's really interesting because I know Kent did a study where he looked at position by position, how much relative athletic score matters and tight end ended up scoring pretty lowly on that. But I don't know if that included a lot of blocking tight ends that Mm. don't have that athleticism. Whereas you want the receiving tight ends that do. And um, Kuntz, we've talked about him already. He had a perfect 10 on that, on that metric. But Mallory came in at a 905, and that's very, very good. And so uh, if you're drafting early and you're looking for players to stash on your dynasty roster that might be undrafted, that could be late round picks, use that relative athletic score at the tight end and make sure that you've got a pass catching prototype tight end. But somebody that scores high in that more often than not ends up getting drafted a lot higher than what you expect. Talking about sleepers, uh, we have to give the fans what they want, especially when it's the tight end show. So, uh, our friend JCJ Dynasty wants to know uh, 45 seconds on Cam Latou from Alabama. Love Cam Latou. He's converted defensive lineman that Nick Saban moved over to tight end. He's got very soft hands. He emerged as a, a, a big option for Bryce Young in the red zone. And that was where he saw most of his usage. That's where he would translate. I don't know that he's ever going to be a fantasy relevant tight end, but I do think that he could be that blocking tight end that just drives us all nuts because he gets the touchdown at on the, the three yard line or whatever it might be. And so, so we'll fit that, in with Detroit. Awesome. Exactly. Like yeah. <laughs> the deep best ball ad that you can throw in the bottom of your roster and he'll occasionally pop off for that three catches for 30 yards and a touchdown game. Jeff, as someone who doesn't watch college football, my question when I look at stats like Cam Latou's, what happened from 2021 to 2022, eight touchdowns his junior year to three touchdowns his senior year? 
offensive struggles were part of it. I think Alabama's offense as a whole took a little bit of a step back last year. Bryce Young, he was hurt for a period of the year that just kind of, there was a lot of chance involved in Latou's touchdowns because again, just that red zone option and that guy would kind of occasionally pop open and catch a touchdown. He wasn't a primary focal point of the offense. Nothing really ran through him. And so it's just probably the year to year fluctuation of one year you might have this random guy pops for eight tight eight touchdowns, but then three is probably more realistically in line where you would expect. But we've seen tight ends like that in the past that have a random eight touchdown year, even at the NFL level. Well, I was going to say, if he ends up in Detroit, he'll get all three of those touchdowns in one game (laughs) and then never score another one. Um, I have to bring this comment up. Unfortunately, my sheer hatred last year of Cole Komet and Dawson Knox has turned me and Kevin into this bitter rivalry when it comes to fantasy tight ends. And he's right. I was scared to have him on the show because the whole show, he would have been just telling us how all, every one of these tight ends was ready to pop. And I would have had to fight back that they weren't. And then he would have comped them all to Cole Komet. It would have been a terrible show for nobody to watch. But this is <laughs> I was about to say, in fairness, um, I invite the guests for starters. I still take away my I have been for this show lately. Uh, but two... Kevin, you were on like two shows of ours in four days. Take yeah. a fucking break, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love Kevin. And and he and I just see tight ends very, very differently, which we don't even really see it that differently. I just hate Cole Komet and Dawson Knox, and he didn't last year. All right, we're going to jump into landing spots. I'm going to start with the teams who could uh, draft a tight end. Um, Josh made a list of these teams, and then Jeff, I'll let you add if there's anybody you think that we should be uh, talking about as well. Uh, so we have the Houston Texans. They signed Dalton Schultz to a one-year deal, and then Brevin Jordan's had just injuries every year. Uh, the New England Patriots obviously moved on from Jonu Smith, and all of their options right now are short-term options. Uh, the Green Bay Packers have Josiah DeGuerra, and I can't even remember the other guy's name, um, but no no real starter. Austin there. Allen. Yeah. Uh, the Washington Commanders are a very interesting landing spot. Um, there's no legit option behind Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas had been the rumors of a uh, – a cut candidate. I believe they can save $6 million by cutting, but they actually just came out this week, Ron Rivera and said, they're very happy with their current group. So they're very interesting. Uh, the Detroit lions after they trade TJ Hawkinson, it's just a huge hole on their offense right now. But again, they can get any random guy in the end zone three times in a game, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They drafted Kate Otten last year, but they need depth. The Los Angeles chargers. They still have Gerald Everett, but he is, only have one year left on his deal, and he's old, plain and simple. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars, no long-term deal with Evan Ingram quite yet. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, they just have a bunch of unproven guys. I think they took Ferguson and the guy behind him in the like fourth and fifth round last year, fourth and sixth. Hendershot. Peyton Hendershot. There you go, Hendershot. And then uh, Cincinnati Bengals with no long-term options. They did just add Irv Smith, which I was really shocked to find. Irv Smith is still only 24 years old. Um, so those would be the, the higher candidate teams. Is there anybody Josh missed there, Jeff? Um, I think the Dolphins stand out in my mind as a team that will almost surely add at tight end. You know, they had Gasicki last year and they didn't use Gasicki because he's a terrible scheme fit for them. And, and <laughs> right now they only have um, Durham Smythe as I think is maybe the only tight, tight end on the roster. We know Mike McDaniel coming over from that 49er system and having George Kittle over there. So I think yeah. that they're a team that I put high in my mind as a team that could target tight end. Um, and, and then a couple teams that might look to backfill the position would be the Chiefs, maybe with Travis Kelsey and where they land, given the depth of tight ends. Uh, maybe the maybe Buffalo grabbing a second tight end because behind Dawson Knox, they had Quentin Morris and he had a little bit of an opportunity last year when Knox was hurt, but he's not going to be that guy. And then um, the 49ers as well with George Kittle is turning 29. Wow. They don't really have anybody special behind him or developing anybody at all behind him. And so just some of these offenses that have put high value on the tight end position that are starting to get guys that are aging a little bit more that could start to maybe take that second guy where uh, the interesting part of it is if that second guy hits on your roster, you can play a lot of 12 personnel and you can do a lot of different things with scheme. You can do a lot of different things uh, with uh, moving them throughout the offense. And so it's one of those that maybe you have a really good running back and maybe you're not going to invest in running back again just because you've got a good running back. We know the devaluation at the position. Tight ends one where if you end up with two of them, you're able to change the structure of your offense and you're able to do different things that you wouldn't be able to do before. That Gosh. still takes a creative offensive coordinator to do that, though, and there's probably only like three out of 32 teams that actually do that. That's but true. Kansas City would be a fun one. <laughs> hey, don't sleep on Noah Gray. Come on now. 
But Josh, I do want to throw out at you. Um, the San Francisco was a bit of a surprise. I've seen Kansas City um, taking a tight end in a few mock drafts. But Josh, what if these top guys end up as backups in San Francisco and Kansas City? How would you approach them in Dynasty at that point? I think for me, it's a it's a fair point to just kind of throw like a later round dart throw on them. You know, like almost uh, Trey McBride again. So. Yeah, like I it, and I think that's really what would happen. Now, if, if we're looking at say like Dalton Kincaid, who lands in Kansas City, I think spoiler, you have to respect alert. the talent and the potential draft capital, and then just kind of pray to God that something doesn't happen to Travis. Yeah, we don't I, even I, say I those know. words. Like, on I, the I don't ever want to wish bad on any players, yeah, especially just really shut good up. ones. Like, but like, don't talk like that. Yeah, and that's the point. Like, I if he lands in Kansas City, you would think that that's got to plummet his draft stock. But it's like, well, the draft capital is there, and then this, and do they move on? Like, it, it's just you're you're constantly going back and forth. The thing that I think worked in McBride's favor in the unfavorable draft spot was that the class as a whole was just really weak. So you you didn't have a problem taking him as the elite tight end option even if he was buried uh -huh. because Zach Ertz was recently traded and you know, yeah, he did sign an extension. It's a three-year deal. It wasn't, you know, like, you know, Travis Kelsey is going to retire a Kansas city chief and you know, you're not really expecting him to fall off a cliff at any point in the next three years. So I think you saw that though with Zach Ertz. So, and I think that to me is the big difference really between those two uh, situations. Yeah, and, and Ertz had that, was it 2020? That was just an absolute train wreck. And it looked like, you know, his dynasty stock fell off a cliff following that mm -hmm. season. I think it was the 2020 season. And so I think that that's one of those that is in the back of every dynasty manager's mind on, on that season and how yeah. that value plummeted. And so seeing McBride go there, thinking in your mind that maybe Ertz, we've already seen the drop off. Is it around the corner again at, at any time and, and putting him there? Whereas uh, Travis Kelsey, if it's Dalton Kincaid backing up Travis Kelsey, you haven't seen a dip at all in Travis Kelsey's. And you haven't seen him miss extended time with injuries either. No. And no, that's the I, other thing. Yeah. And I, I look at some of these teams like I think the Lions showed us what they think about tight end when they because I think if they valued tight end, TJ Hawkinson would be a lion. And they yeah. didn't get a, a big package for him. They they got a I think it was a second round pick, maybe or even Oh no, they got they got multiple, like they got a second and a third, I believe, from okay. the Vikings. So they got deal, two yeah. day two picks. But again, that's that's what a, a top five asset at yeah. the position and, and they're you know, they're set up salary structure wise where they, they could have kept him around no problem but i think that they they spoke volumes about how they value that position and, and i look at dallas too and i know they've got unproven options but don't schultz was an unproven option and mark mccarthy's offense has not valued the tight end and he's taking over this offense and he's gonna put his stamp on it and after he had jermichael finley early in green bay but after jermichael finley was done he went five years and there was only one year where a tight end saw more than 53 targets and that was richard rogers had one random year where he saw 85 so yeah adding brandon cooks into that offense i think that tells you what you want to know about that offense you've got three now very strong wide receiver options that's where the targets are going to go and they're just not going to value the tight end position so so I, those are the types of things that i look at it as if this is an offense that has traditionally valued tight end then i think they're, they're going to continue to value tight end and look for that potentially that successor whereas if it's an offense that runs through the wide receivers and tight ends just kind of more a secondary piece in that I don't know that they're going to get aggressive on becoming that as part of their offense. And Jeff, I was going to bring this up when we got to landing spot. So the very first landing spot is Michael Mayer. Um, Jeff, you have him going to Green Bay. I'm going to let you talk about that. I said Detroit. Josh has the Cowboys. And when I went through and kind of took a quick look, I noticed you don't have the Cowboys at least adding any of these top five tight ends. Do you think they're going to stand pat with Hendershot and Ferguson um, based on what you just said? I do. I think that those are the guys that are going to, and I, and that doesn't mean I think they're going to be fantasy relevant. Uh, and I think it's going to be frustrating. I do like Hendershot a little bit in terms of receiving. I think he's got a little bit more receiving upside than Ferguson and he's a complete afterthought. And so I like adding him at, as a very light, light bench spot. But again, like with Schultz, Schultz was an undrafted free agent, I believe, or a very, very late draft pick. And, and no, he was, uh, third that's right. He was like a fourth round pick, I think, yeah, which is what Ferguson was. 
So, you know, they're, they're right there again. And, and I think that maybe they've already moved. They, they kind of made their move last year, adding Ferguson and Pender and Hendershot. And I think that they saw enough out of them that they're going to move forward with them and not spend aggressive early draft capital on the position. I think what we're all hoping for, at least me and Linda Godfrey, is that Blake Jarwin comes out of retirement and returns to the Dallas Cowboys triumphantly to take back the spot that was usurped by Dalton Schultz a few years ago. <laughs> it was his. It was right there. He was good. Yeah. He was the guy. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> but as we brought up, uh, we're moving on to landing spots. And the question I'm going to ask um, each of you guys when we do these landing spots is – we, we have them listed in the top five of Mayor, Kincaid, Musgrave, Washington, Laporta. So you have um, Green Bay taking Mayor. My question to you is, you can walk us through that because you you sounded very interested by the fit. Do you also have him going off as the first tight end? Is that kind of what your prediction is? Yeah, in this scenario, and it's just, I just struggle to place these. And uh, 14 or 15 feels high for him, maybe. But I just look at their what they have. And, and so I guess in my mind, I'm thinking that Jackson Smith and Jigbo will be off the board and they mm. won't value another wide receiver in that range just because they haven't traditionally valued the wide receiver position at that level. And so to take a tight end, take Michael Mayer, get an all-around player that they can insert into that, that offense that can emerge as a real cornerstone piece for Jordan Love, who I assume is going to be the quarterback. Um, I think that that makes sense if assuming Jackson Smith and Jigba's off the board and, and they kind of stay with their current path of not using first-round picks on wide receivers. And then, Josh, you went the other route. You do think Dallas takes him. Do you think Dallas makes him the first tight end off the board? Well, and I, I've been very adamant about this. I do think that in my heart of hearts, Dallas takes Bijan Robinson in some way, shape, or form in this draft if he gets past Atlanta. Because I think if he's going to go in the top 10, it's going to be Atlanta. But in this alternate universe where Bijan ends up in Atlanta, I think Mayer is the guy. Um, and, and the reason being, like when I, when I watch Michael Mayer, he reminds me a lot of guys like Jason Witten and Zach Hurts, guys that can play in line, that can block, they can do the things you need to do when you run the football, but they can spread out wide, he can work the slot, the middle of the field, and gain those those chunk yards to kind of move the sticks, which is exactly how they use Dalton Schultz. Now, Jeff, to your point, that McCarthy hasn't typically called those you know types of plays, he's not you know somebody that typically utilizes the tight end position, how like how long do we really think McCarthy's going to be the head coach of Dallas? Let's let's be real here. Because I don't think he lasts longer than this season, if I'm being 100% honest. And if that's the case, they want like Stephen Jones, Jerry Jones, they want to build this team for the next head coach. What happens when the next head coach comes in and says, "You know what? I need a tight end." Jeff, you're a Devi guy. Tell me about the 2024 tight end class. Is it anything close to this one? Yeah, it's better. Brock Bowers is really is, well. I know yeah. Brock Bowers. I know that guy is going to be a top ten tight end. But like, that—that's I like. I just I look at it in terms of that. Like, if you see a guy right now, hey, he can he can impact this team not just this year, but two or three years down the line. And I don't have to suck to get the really good one. And if we end up underperforming or not going as far as we want to in the playoffs, because. Mike McCarthy was sucked at calling plays in Green Bay. So, you know, he's suddenly <laughs> going to be better doing it in Dallas. Like and He believes in analytics now, Josh. Oh, right. my ass he does. <laughs> like, I just, I would much rather get a guy that I know can fit this scheme and this offense. Like, they've franchised Tony Pollard. You know, they'll they'll eventually bring in another running back. Maybe it's Bijan. Maybe it's it's not. But they're going to find a way to, to impact this team. But if, let's say that they get a running back that takes over and they don't extend Tony Pollard passed this year. Now you need a pass catcher in the middle of the field. You have that now by drafting somebody like Mayer when you lose Pollard. Last question, Josh. Do you have them trading up to get him, or do you think he makes it to them at 26? I think it'll I think he'll make it to 26. I do. I, I think the the buzz around Kincaid is real because again, he's a pass catcher. Everybody falls in love with pass catchers, and Mayer's kind of a, a do-it-all tight end. And I kind of look at this in like you know, kind of a, a few years back when um, you had the O.J. Howard, the David Njoku, the Evan Ingram class, and everybody was all up in arms about O.J. Howard because, you know, he could block, he could catch passes. I don't really think that teams cared so much about a tight end that can catch a pass or, excuse me, that can block and they're they're going to spend a top 15 pick on. But they will if he if he can be a dynamic weapon as a pass catcher. 
So I think that's ultimately what would lead Kincaid to being drafted ahead of Mayer in this year, in this year's class. Now you both will know the the entire draft better than me. Um, I have Detroit taking him. I think he goes to them at 18. So it'd be out of the top 15 that you're talking about. And I just think Jeff, you kind of hit on this where Mayer is, could be a better tight end than he is a fantasy tight end. And I think that's something Dan Campbell is going to value with this team. He's trying to build in Detroit. Um, the caveat is I think there would have to be a corner they're infatuated with at six, because I think they have to address corner at some point in this draft, but it could be the other way around where they're going to see best player available at six and then take a corner at, 18 at that point. So that just, I, I think it's Detroit because I like the fit, but again, I don't like the fit for fantasy purposes. I like the fit for football purposes. Jeff, you mentioned you were looking for a reason to make Dalton Kincaid your number one tight end. I personally, based on just for the dynasty landscape, think that a landing spot of Kansas city could do a lot to make him the top 10 or the number one tight end in this class. Namely because the the knock on Kincaid right now, maybe the sole knock on Kincaid is nobody's going to be 100% sure when he's ready to play. He doesn't need to play right away in Kansas City. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so I mean, we're making content here a little bit. And so I thought it would be fun to put a Kansas City landing spot on Kincaid uh, just because I, getting Kansas City on the radar uh, to go into this tight end position because we did see heavy 12 usage with uh Noah Gray, Josh's guy, Noah Gray over there. Yeah. They they like to use the two tight end sets. And I think that what you're seeing a lot in Kansas City is they're inverting the offense a little bit with the receivers that they have now where um, they want to send that tight end up the seam and kind of use that. We saw in the Super Bowl how many option routes out of the wide receivers are. Wide receivers in the flat getting those those rubs and, and those slants and all those things that give that receiver – space where Andy Reid is running all these trick plays. And and so an element of that is using having some vertical element into your offense. And so to have a tight end there and a guy like Dalton Kincaid to backfill that Travis Kelsey position, I think would be absolutely lovely because we know the value that that offense is puts on tight end and, and Travis Kelsey being that primary receiving option. Obviously made a decision to stick with Travis Kelsey over Tyreek Hill. So um, that that's where start to think about backfilling and, and really the depth that Kansas City did a very good job of almost rebuilding on the fly when yeah. the last couple of years and, and last year they would because of the Tyreek Hill trade, they have so many rookies that played in that Super Bowl. And so they're kind of in a position right now where I don't know that they need to target any specific position and start to build a little bit of that value and build a little bit of that depth thinking for the future. And, and so if Kincaid were to land in a range where they're able to get him, it would be an interesting fit. I was going to ask, is it at 31 or is this something that falls to them later in the draft? Uh, it would be have to be 31. I can imagine okay. him going beyond 31. I think he'll probably go a little bit early and I don't, I would be surprised if they were aggressive enough to go up and get him. It just doesn't seem to be in their MO to give picks to move up. But we saw last year, they did give a pick to move up above. Um, it was them in Buffalo that were going for the cornerback out of Washington. And I want to say Alexander, but I'm blanking on his name right now. I thought it was McDuffie. McDuffie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. McDuffie. Yeah. It came out that Buffalo thought that he was going to fall in their laps and then Kansas city went up and jumped them. So um, that's where we did see them get aggressive last year. And so maybe, and I'm looking at premier positions and we know that tight ends not valued as a premier position, but there's a lot of cornerback depth in this draft. And so I expect corners to go. I think there's a lot of edge depth. Those are the positions that usually go early and start to push some of these guys back to get into a range that a team can get aggressive and go up and get one. And then Josh, you had Kincaid going to Detroit. Uh, I guess, same question. Do you think they take him at 18? Do you think it's going to go later? Any reason in particular you have Detroit for that fit? Yeah, I think for Detroit, it's mostly just, they have these extra picks to continue to build this team. And they can like they have a chance to build a fucking arsenal on yeah. offense. Yeah. Like you bring in David Montgomery, you've got an elite offensive line. You still have DeAndre Swift. You know, Amon St. Brown is a god. Jameson Williams, who you traded up to get, like, I mean, it, you drop an elite receiving weapon at tight end that you're not asking to go out there and block. Just say, you know what, run routes and get open. Because this is a guy that can affect down the field, too. So if Amonra works between 0 and 10, Kincaid works around 10 to 15, and Jamison William works 40 yards down the field, you're covering <laughs> all the bases in this offense. Jared Goff has no reason to suck. I say now you just need a quarterback. 
exactly. So, and, and I and I and my thing too is like we're we're getting into this like pivotal time here for DeAndre Swift. Swift, right? So it's kind of similar to what I'm talking about with with Michael Mayer. Dallas goes, they get this guy because they're thinking not just for this year but also next year. You can do the same thing here with Dalton Kincaid. You know, for whatever reason, Hawk, you know, TJ Hawkinson didn't fit with the dynamic that they wanted for this year. This year it was Amonra St. Brown over the middle and it's um, DeAndre Swift. Hawk became redundant as a result of that. Now you have Jamison Williams healthy. You have someone that can attack defenses and keep them honest down the field. Now you need to be able to work that middle of the field. If DeAndre Swift is only going to play six to 10 games a year, what happens the other, you know, 11, seven to 11 games, right? How else are you going to attack the middle of the field? Now, I understand that David Montgomery has some pass catching prowess. They can use him that way. Maybe he doesn't just, you know, fit that exact Jamal Williams role where all he does is just run the football and score 80 touchdowns. But if you have a guy that can run the, uh, you know, a little bit more dynamic route tree, that's a little bit bigger than someone like an Amonra St. Brown. And you can keep Amonra in that high target volume, you know, maybe somewhat lower a dot, but kind of in that, you know, nine to 11 yards per reception range and Dalton or uh, yeah, Kincaid can go 13, 14 yards on top. I think you're working different layers of the field and your offense becomes more dynamic in that instance. Yeah. Josh, I'm going to let you keep going. Um, Cause I had Kincaid going to the chargers and I am essentially drawing the narrative there that he may not be ready right away, but they have Gerald Everett so they can wait. You have Luke Musgrave, the next pick going to the chargers. And I got to say of all the top five guys, Musgrave seems to be the one I know the least amount about. So talk to me about the chargers fit. For me, it's just Musgrave shows some pass catching prowess and like that's it in my opinion um jeff i'm sure you probably have different opinions on musgrave but like for me you know you're going into a, a, now a kellen moore system and you've got a tight end that's kind of bounced around to a few teams over the last few years and gerald Everett. there's no real commitment there and i think that the chargers they they need speed in this offense for starters and i think that's where wide receiver comes into play in the first round but you need to continue to build around uh justin herbert they have a solid offensive line. I don't think it's like a top five offensive line, but they have invested pieces in that line over the last couple of years that I think they're comfortable enough saying, you know what? We have protection for Herbert. Now we have to get him more weapons that he can grow with because you, you know, you have Mike Williams, you have Keenan Allen. They're great right now, but I think their best years are behind them, even though I think they still can be good. Um, so now you need to get that next generation going. That's where I think, you know, a wide receiver comes into play at 21. And that's where I think a tight end can come into play in the second or third round. I think Musgrave would be a really good target for them in the second round. Like it. And then Jeff, you have him going to Jacksonville, presumably to uh, take over for Evan Ingram if they're not able to get a long-term deal done. Uh, well, part of that is we saw when Doug Peterson was with the, the Eagles, they had Zach Ertz already, and then they still added Dallas Goddard. And so I think Musgrave would give them an element that they could play two tight ends, that they could just change what they're doing within their offense. And so we know the the value that they've placed on wide receiver, adding Calvin Ridley, having Christian Kirk with the, that contract there. Um, and then Zay Jones, we saw the breakout last year. Musgrave has that pass catching element that allows them to play two pass catching wide receiver or tight ends that they could move through formation that yes it backfills you long term for Evan Ingram if you're not able to get a long-term deal done but but at the same time it builds layers and adds element in, into that offense and so we've seen Doug Peterson use two tight ends pretty heavily in the past and so that's an area that is a, a big hole in their roster and so Musgrave would bring a, an additional receiving element to that offense and so I just think it's interesting to kind of put them as a team to watch for adding a tight end and Musgrave would be that receiver in that same kind of mold as Evan Ingram that they already have. As an Eagles fan, I'll point out Doug Peterson ran those two tight ends. That's because he didn't have elite wide receiver weapons. He has that now in Jackson. <laughs> just throwing that out there as a caveat. Well, the one last thing I would ask about Musgrave is only two touchdowns as a, a college player. And obviously he didn't play a lot of games last year, but um are you just going based on the film that he is a good pass catcher and he just wasn't used that way? 
Yeah, it's a bet on tools. It's a bet on athleticism. He, I don't think he ran the forty, maybe. Um, but it's uh, he was project. Well, maybe he did. He came in a little bit slower than maybe people were thinking that he was. Saying going he's to. coming off of his own knee injury too. Yes, so. he's coming off of an injury, and and that's just a projection based upon, um, you know, some of it's trusting. My guy Kevin, Kevin is a big believer in uh, Luke Musgrave, and so some of the surround yourselves with self with people smarter than you and and rely on them. So that's part of it. Kevin sees a lot in Musgrave, and so um, I do trust his analysis and in his evaluation. And so um, that's that's a big part of it. But it's projection, it's tools, and it's kind of the upside that's there. Yeah, uh, we're going to move on to the man who was the uh, highlight reel of the NFL Combine, Darnell Washington, coming out of Georgia. Jeff, you have him going to Cincinnati. Or no, I saw that's Josh. You have him going to Houston, which obviously just added Dalton Schultz. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that's an offense that I think they really want to run the ball. And we don't know, like, are they going to take a quarterback? Are they not going to take a quarterback? But they did add Schultz. But again, coming from San Francisco, having that dominant tight end element with George Kittle in that offense, Darnell Washington, if he swings around to early second, where Houston has so many draft picks this year that they could potentially use that luxury pick. And, and again, wanting to run the ball, I think that physicality is a big element in their offense of what they want to put in with the wide receivers that they added with Robert Woods, with Noah Brown being pass blocking wide receivers, run blocking wide receivers. And so Washington gives them that extra element as almost that six offensive lineman that they can really start to smash people and ride Damian Pierce there, have that physicality in the offense. And I think that that's what they want to build. That's the way they're going. And and we've seen that and play out pretty well in San Francisco. And that's why I had him going to Dallas, mainly because if Dallas wants to run the ball as much as they say they want to run the football, I think Washington fits that very well and then gives them that additional weapon. Josh, you had him going to Cincinnati. Now I'm going to ask you a question point blank, Josh. Um, I have not seen any respect given to the Irv Smith signing whatsoever, and I'm actually pretty excited about it. Are you just completely done with Irv Smith or is it a wait and see sort of thing? No, I mean, it's a it's a one year prove it deal. I mean, yeah. that that's that's essentially what it is. I mean, we've seen that, you know, because Joe Burrow is the quarterback. Yes, the tight end can be effective in that offense, but it's going to come at the cost of either the running backs pass catches, the uh, Tyler Boyd's catches, T Higgins catches or, you know, God forbid, it's Jamar Chase's catches like it, it, it. He's still the fourth, maybe not even the fifth option in that offense, really. Yeah. So. Like I, I, that's really why I'm not like overly hyped about it. Like I know, you know, Hayden Hurst did well. I was gonna say they it, targeted it, it, the tight end. But that's the thing; it was it was year. a perfect storm for him, right? Yeah. Jamar Chase misses four or five games. Um, you know, Joe Burrow. T. Higgins at least ball. missed two where he T. went out after two the games. first play. Yeah, he left. He <laughs> left too early with after like ten snaps or whatever. So like. Again, it was kind of a perfect storm for Hayden Hurst in that instance. So, really, what you're banking on for Irv Smith, you're banking on, you're you're hoping for the exact same thing. I don't want my best players to get hurt, so I don't want to project them to get hurt. So, the reason that I have the uh, Cincinnati kind of going the route of Darnell Washington here is because what what do they do? What do they talk about every offseason? We got to we got to protect Joe Burrow, right? Why not get a tight end who's six seven, who is probably point. the best blocking tight end in this draft? That's exactly what they did when they drafted Drew Sample. They drafted a guy that could block. And if they ever need to use him in pass catching roles, they have that option. But I don't think that Darnell Washington is going to be somebody that is going to be looked at and say, you know what? You can be a tight end that hits 800 plus receiving yards every single year. We'll use you in that role when we need to, but it's not going to be a high priority for us. And that's kind of what I see with Darnell Washington. Yeah, I think that Cincinnati doesn't place that value on that position. And I think that they've positioned themselves. They got CJ Uzama paid. Then they got Hayden Hurst paid. And so I think they're trying to position themselves as, hey, come here. You will be in a very productive system. You know, play a year here. We will rehab your value. We'll get you paid next year. And then we'll keep rotating and we'll find the next guy that has the tools that can come in and do just enough as that fifth compliment in the offense and we'll get him paid too yeah but irv smith has the checkered injury history that those guys don't and that's why i think they could very well end up with a a tight end in this draft class yeah 
I don't know. I like Smith, but uh, we're going to end this whole thing with Sam Laporta. Um, the only agreement we have on the whole show, me and Josh both have him go to the Packers. Josh, I'll let you speak to that in a second. Jeff, you have him going to Miami. So you mentioned that um, Mike Gesicki, terrible scheme fit in Miami. There is some worry about their love or usage for the tight end. If Laporta ends up there, is this another better football move than fantasy move? Or do you think there could be fantasy relevance? I mean, I definitely think there could be fantasy relevance. We saw when Tua was running hot, what the upside within that offense. And so um, Laporta coming as an Iowa guy and McDaniel having that experience with George Kittle, adding that element within their offense that can be that bruising tight end that can also participate in the past game that I think Laporta brings at it. And it just kind of stands out in my mind as this is a team that um, I, again, it's just taking what McDaniel had exposure to before and understanding how much tight end, a physical tight end that can participate in the run game and also be a passing element was able to unlock that San Francisco offense, seeing that firsthand and wanting to add that element into the Miami offense. Yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I initially was a person who was like, oh, they're definitely going to go get a tight end. But then I started listening to the noise and kind of moved away from it. And so it's going to be interesting to see because they're so set at wide receiver. And as long as Tua doesn't retire, they should be pretty fine this year. Uh, Josh, you have a uh, Green Bay. I also have Green Bay. I think it just makes a lot of sense with the fit, but I'll let you talk about it. So. Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it's really a matter of the Packers need some kind of tight end, right? They, they need bodies. And I think with, with Laporta, it's kind of in a way similar with George Kittle, right? Like it, it, he's somebody that, you know, he he's a good blocker. And I think he has the tools to become a great blocker and he has good receiving skills and he has the tools to become great as a receiver. And I think when San Francisco drafted him, Kittle became featured in that offense more so out of necessity. And then they realized, oh, shit, we got a really good fucking tight end. Now we got to use him. And I think you could see a similar situation in that Packers offense because they have such young receiving weapons. Like, you know, you're 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 dealing with a you know Christian Watson who came on, he had a great stretch, started the year hurt. Romeo Dobbs, a lot of training camp hype, gets hurt. What happens if any of these guys end up getting hurt again? Now you have to fall with all right, who's left? Oh, hey, let's have this good receiving tight end option. I don't think they're going to prioritize it in the first round the way that some of these other draft pundits are talking about simply because that's not Matt LaFleur's system. It really is not. Now, the system can work to get tight ends open, as we've seen with Robert Tunyon, but it's not something that's going to be a high priority option. And I think going out and getting a guy like a Laporta in the second, maybe the third round if he falls that far, that would fit the MO there, in my opinion, because when they took DeGuara, it was a third round pick and he was kind of that H back role where it was more so like a fullback, but had the ability to play tight end. And I think with Laporta, you have a guy that naturally is a tight end, but they can move him around in the offense. I just think that scheme wise, the offense is very vanilla and they're not going to move around a tight end like that. But when you drop a guy like a Laporta in there, you have that capability. So maybe LaFleur would be like, Hey, light bulb. What what <laughs> what what did my buddy Kyle Shanahan do when he got George Kittle? Let's have some fun here. <laughs> I'm still shocked they let Tunyon walk and that Tunyon walked to be the backup in Chicago. Such a weird situation to me in general there. Um, but apparently he's from Chicago, so it was like a homecoming sort of thing. So it is what it is. Jeff, is there any player we haven't talked about today or we haven't talked about with these landing spots? What I'm basically trying to ask you is, is there a non-top five player and an ideal landing spot that if your dream could come true, that player could end up here and be one of your favorites in this draft? Put you on the spot with that one, not on the show. show no, these, these uh, craft coons, these players that I think some of the, the landing spots that you guys mentioned that I didn't cover, I think, you know, the, the Detroit's, the Dallas's, if they are landing those spots, like in, I think Green Bay, you guys make a great point. I know I had mayor go into Green Bay, but the opportunity is, is really there for a tight end in that scheme. And, and so, I think that more than any other year, the depth of the class, I think, is is really there. And you've got, you're going to have guys that are probably you're not even thinking about being draft picks right now in a four round rookie draft that 
are going to grab a great landing spot and are going to shoot themselves into there. And, and so I, I think that you can go, you can run even 10, 11, 12 players deep in this. Like players that we haven't mentioned, Davis Allen, Brenton Strange, Josh Wiley, like all these guys can end up as being landing in great spots. And so it's almost like what we're talking about, especially with running backs this year, but running backs a lot of years where landing spot it leads to that opportunity. Guys, I are feel so weird ranking guys before landing spots. Like I'm just like it matters hard. so much to me. <laughs> it, well, and it, yeah, and and you you're really just trying to get a baseline, trying to get guys into that ballpark. You know, you're you're projecting, and that's a lot of it. And so it's one, it's fun because you're projecting, and then if they get drafted in that order or get drafted around there, and if you're not changing much after the draft, then you know you feel pretty fantastic about it but you're going to change a lot after the draft. And so, um, yeah. And that's one that um, I'm a believer. I like, if I'm in an analyst league, I like to draft before the the draft, just because it adds that extra layer and and strategy and and makes it a little bit more fun. But if, if it's more of a casual league, if you're home league, uh, those types of leagues, I don't draft before the draft. (laughs) And and, you know, you don't want to, you're in situations there where you, you get burnt and it's really, really frustrating. It's hard enough to not get burnt on your rookie picks, knowing where they they are. I mean, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, people were taking him that first rookie in that draft. And that's even running back. You, you in the Kansas city's offense, you feel pretty safe there and you got burnt there. You feel like, and so, yeah, I know like having Malik Willis was the number one in some people's super flex last year, yep. even at this point of the, of the, the process. And so, yeah, it's uh, I don't blame you at all for not wanting to rank before the draft. And, and it's just one of those that right now it's one of those you're trying to you're approaching the green and you're trying to chip it and you're trying to get it somewhat close to the hole. So you got to tap in and, you know, you're not exactly going for that birdie right now. I like it. Sorry, I don't speak golf. I was going to say, what a great, what a great lead into our golf DFS show that I'll talk about here in just a few seconds. Do this occasionally, so read the Uh, stuff occasionally too. uh, No, I absolutely love it, Jeff. Thank you so much. Um, Josh has said this publicly numerous times, privately even more times that when you have shows that people might not want to watch the tight end rookie show, you bring on great guests. And Jeff, this was easily one of my favorite shows we've done. And I don't say that lightly. So wonderful job. Please tell the people where they can find you. Tell them what you're working on. Jeff Bell. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at for whom J bell tolls and you can find me with football guys. Everything's coming out of football guys, but uh, don't worry about me. Worry about these guys and yeah, continue to support Josh and, and Ryan. They're fantastic. And Ryan is a coworker at football guys and we love him so much. And he's got a great tight end article that will be available and, and check that out. Um, but continue to support these guys continue to, to uh, club fantasy. You're doing a lot of great stuff, you know, your Twitter feed and, and everything that's coming out with the rookie class, the threads that you guys are doing is fantastic stuff if you want to get studied up on this rookie class check out the club fantasy twitter feed i know i've getting gotten tagged in it more times than what i deserve and and i appreciate <laughs> all of them but um it's just been fantastic and, and again just keep it up guys i really appreciate you oh we appreciate you one thing i'm gonna do because i use this for every show so everyone knows i don't watch college football but i've been able to sound like i know what i'm talking about so i'm gonna actually screen share here This is the football guys draft guide that Jeff and Christian and Kevin put together. And it is absolutely fantastic. This is completely free. I'm sure you'll find the link very high in uh, Jeff's feed. You'll find it in every single one of our threads we're doing every week. I would tell you guys before the draft next week, go drop your email on football guys and check this thing out. It is absolutely awesome. And Jeff, you did such a great job with that, buddy. Yeah, thank you. And and that is a great plug. Get that guide now. It's free now. After the draft, we're going to put it behind a paywall and we're okay. going because we're going to be um we're blowing it up and we're changing it because it's going to be landing spots specific for each yeah. player and so um we're going to have that and and draft weekend we're going to be cranking on that so that we can get it very early uh following the drafts and make sure that it's ready for your rookie guides for your rookie drafts but if you want to get your arms around this class and get a really good idea every single player that was invited to the combine and that tested at the combine or did anything related to the combine is in that as well as some other players too so you know i think we're at 130 maybe something players and so it took me forever to scroll to the tight ends i can tell you and, and you think about 130. You're There's not draft. a table of contents to just. No, jump. there is. There is. <laughs> no, but you're only drafting about 48 of them, so you know we exactly. got you covered. Like yeah, deep 100 so covered. Got you covered after your draft and in those priority free agent pickups after that draft runs.
Love it. Josh, any parting words before I get into this outro? No, I, everything that I would say would be in the outro. So unlike right. Joe, I won't step on your toes. No, I love it. I mean, we know I'm going <laughs> to love it so bad. Well, first and foremost, thank you to Jeff. Such a wonderful job. Next week, we are going to be back with our annual mock draft show. That's a tradition we started a couple of years ago. We are going to invite, I think it's seven other analysts on the show. We are going to divvy up the NFL teams and we're going to predict the landing spots. So it's going to be same time, same channel. Stick with us next week for no pun intended. Don't forget, mock it like it's hot every single Monday. This past week, we did a dynasty startup draft with Iowa Mike um, from Destination Devi. Me and Austin are going to be back next week with Gator J, who is normally all in the comments. He must have been busy tonight from Fantasy Intervention going for two Fantasy and Frames. You've seen him everywhere. So he's going to be on with us next week. I think we're doing a rookie draft. Josh has it in the notes. We're doing a rookie draft. As Jeff alluded to earlier, when you're not necessarily going for the birdie, when you're ready to play some golf, make sure you check out Who's Your Caddy. It is our golf DFS show from Women of Fantasy Football, hosted by Kelly Singh with Adam. They are on every Tuesday night at 9.30. This week, they are previewing the Zurich Classic uh, in New Orleans. Uh, so make sure you're checking that out before the tea time start on Thursday. Next week, we're going to have a new episode of Her Story in the Making. It is Britt Flynn inviting Gemma Martinez from NFL Mexico, uh, our first international episode, I'm pretty sure. So we are all super excited for that. And way more importantly, we are now a part of the Better Sports Network app. So we are very excited that Women of Fantasy Football is getting the spotlight it deserves. Britt has done such a great job with her story in the making. Um, So thank you to Fantasy Alarm. Thank you to Josh. Thank you to Faith. And thank you to Britt Flynn for sure. I look forward to seeing the interview with Gemma Martinez next week. And just like every year past for the past, what is it, Josh? Six? This will be year six we've done this. It's in the notes. I love that I'm trying to guess when Josh has given me such great notes here. We are going to be live streaming the first round of the NFL draft. We will have guests all night on Thursday night. And Jeff, I know you're probably going to be doing a similar thing with either Destination Debbie or Football Guys. There's going to be a ton of different places you're going to be able to check out the draft. But we just ask that you guys spend a little bit of time with us coming up next Thursday for the uh, first round of the NFL draft. We thank everybody who tuned in. We thank you guys for the questions in the chat um, make sure you're checking out that football guys draft guide and make sure you're back with us next week for our own mock draft which is going to be the day before the first round of the nfl draft which we will have live stream for you always remember defense wins championships offense wins fantasy football we will see you next week